I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Actually, a TikTok trend about using lubricant under your foundation to help what? your foundation. Like, set my saw that. Like a setting spray, but setting spray lube. lube. Yeah. Welcome to Figuring Out 30. This is a podcast exploring the chaos, confusion, and clarity of life in our 30s. I'm Bridget Hustwaite, and I feel like this episode has been a really long time coming. I've been wanting to do a whole episode on sex for ages, and I've been meaning to chat to the incredible Rachel Baker from Libido for a really long time, so I'm stoked we could make this happen. She popped around to my house, and we had such a great conversation, Um, really got to know Rachel's amazing company which is called libido so l-b-d-o and it is pretty much your one-stop shop for all things sexual pleasure like you can get the most amazing beautiful uh, essential lubes and oils and vibrators and I loved hearing how this company how this brand came to be because Rachel essentially launched this small business in the midst of COVID lockdowns in Melbourne which is a pretty hectic thing to do, but it, she's absolutely killing it. And I was so fascinated to hear, I guess, her, her reasonings for doing so. And also just like one thing that we never think about really with sexual products. And when we think of like lubes and oils, the kinds of ingredients that are going into these things that then we are essentially putting into us. You know what I mean? So we, we we dive into that. We hear all about libido. We also talk about the pleasure gap, which is a very real thing that exists. We talk about postpartum sex, newly single sex. We talk about erogenous zones, even the different types of erections, which I didn't know, and essentially why it's never too late to start having the sex that you want and deserve. We share some of our own personal experiences too, in the hopes of just, you know, helping to I guess, broaden our idea of what sex is and what pleasure is, because it really does mean something different to each person. It is so individualized. And that is honestly something that I think a lot of people come to realize in our 30s. So we kind of reflect on what sex was like in our 20s as to what it is like now in our early 30s, which I thought was really cool. We also learn a bit more about Rachel and her own transition into her 30s, because it's been a pretty wild time with, you know, some major family heartbreak, which she'll tell you all about. So let's get into it. It's Figuring Out 30, Dirty 30 edition with Rachel Baker. Rach, welcome to Figuring Out 30. Thanks, Bridget. So excited to be here. Yes, we're, it's a beautiful, sunny Friday. Daisy's whimpering next to me. Nature's healing, actually. It's, it's going to come so up. so nice. We've got like a raspberry pastachio pastry, ah, which bought, Daisy's she wants getting stuck into. <laughs> um, and also there may be, yeah, a subtle music bed in the background at some point because right before Rach came over, 
Um, <laughs> I never see tradies. And then through the windows, I see this shirtless dude on a roof with a man bun and just a, a gentle doof, 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 because it's Friday. So that might be um, a bit of a music bed We've to got our, our conversation. to see if he's coming back. Yeah, <laughs> but really bringing the vibe, as are you, because this whole episode is pretty much about sexual wellness and I guess we'll be talking about dirty thirties, whether it's dirty thirties, pleasure. <laughs> yes, of course, and um, we'll hear about your amazing company as well that you launched during lockdown. You do say it as libido, right? Yeah, libido. So yeah. it's like L B D O. Pronounced libido, though. Yeah. yeah, people get confused, but definitely libido. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you turned thirty this year. I did. So welcome to the club. I know. How was it? Oh, I always bring my birthday in on the first of January, so I'm a New Year's Day Are baby. You? Oh yes. My God. So it's always, it's an interesting birthday. Yeah. Um, it's always like happy new years and then, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> but it's always a good way for me to reflect on the previous year. Don't I feel you love like, doing that? Yeah. Like the resolutions, all that. I'm like, oh, what do I want for the year? Um, yeah. But 30s have been, we were just chatting about this offline. It's been like a wild, crazy, hectic time for me. Um, yeah. I actually lost both my parents to cancer um, in the last seven years and my dad only four months ago now. So yeah, it's, that's been like the start of my thirties and just navigating all that pain and grief also trying to build my career and yeah so much dedicate my like life to pleasure when I'm carrying so much pain as well oh my god it's like that such a balance. weird concept yeah what a conflict it's such a it's a major conflict and it's something I'm like working through but I think it's just like we as humans can hold both of those things at the totally. same time and we can experience pleasure while carrying so much pain as well so yeah it's been 30s is yeah it's it's been hard but it's also I've I feel more like confident in who I am and yeah. myself as well. I don't know if you feel that as well as we go into our 30s and we get older, we have new experiences and we just start to understand ourselves more. And yeah, I definitely feel that in myself. And I'm just pumped as well, like with my business, so passionate about this space, yeah. about sexual wellness and pleasure. Um, yeah. Gosh, I mean, my my hardships are not to the degree as to what you've experienced. So it's such a a very sobering and eye-opening thing to kind of learn of what you've gone through the seven years in between um, the passing of your parents. I mean, because you would feel like that you're you're going through grief and then you're learning how to manage it and then you go through it again mm. and, you know, it would hit different. Like it doesn't mean you get better at it, I suppose. No, you don't. Yeah. And it's it's been, I guess... Or it gets easier rather. Like it's not easier the second time it's around. It's definitely not you know? easier. It's, it's probably, yeah, it's, it's harder because it's like an accumulation of feelings. Yeah. But it's, it does feel really different when I think back to myself in my 20s. I was at a stage like early 20s where I was still figuring out who I was as a person. Totally. My friends, like we were so much even more social back then. We were partying a lot and just like... I don't know, there was this conflict of like I wanted to explore myself and my sexuality and have all these new experiences and be with my friends but then I was dealing with the grief and of my mum being in, in hospital and going to visit her in palliative care and then now mm -hmm. being in my 30s, I felt like I've just re been like rebuilding my life and myself and I'd just gotten to a stage where I was like taking a breath yeah, and totally. just to be like brought all the way back down to that grief now but it is interesting to kind of reflect on my 20s versus my 30s now and and how I feel like I still feel like a lot more sure of who I am and yep. I I feel these feelings are like quite familiar so 
that's also an interesting thing. Like, you know, I, I know how to work through my grief and, and my pain and yeah. all of that. I um, mean, your resilience as well, like coming to really understand your strength and resilience in these times too. I'm really kind of stuck on just, I'm so fascinated. Like what you mentioned is such an incredible point. Yeah. Balancing the pleasure and, and pain of it all. Um, and I guess stemming back to the origins of libido because you launched during the midst of lockdown. Um, what was that like to just kind of, you know, think I'm going to launch this and I'm going to do it now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Gosh, yeah, I know. Thinking back to lockdown, also like a wild time for everyone. Um, but yeah, I launched libido at the time I was working. It was Melbourne's fourth lockdown. Mm. And so this is at the start of 2021, 2021. Yes. Yeah. And I was working at L'Oreal at the time in yeah. a PR and communications role. And I'd kind of spent most of my career in the beauty and wellness space. And just naturally, like with all the lockdowns and having more time to myself to think, I just started to reevaluate what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And looking at the whole beauty industry, mm. I just saw that when it came to sexual wellness products, like we were still really lagging behind in terms of the quality of the products it was a really unregulated space yeah you know like we it's the most intimate areas of our body but still we were using products potentially off a supermarket shelf that weren't ph balanced or whatever it might be and we're like putting shit in us putting yeah (laughs) exactly and so um yeah it also was like based on my experiences within my 20s of you know exploring myself naturally a bit more curious having more conversations with my friends and going into different sex stores and just have you ever been into it like oh, yeah. one of those um in Ballarat where I grew up there was I mean there's obviously Club X and stuff but Club X is on a really um public street I guess a very busy street so everyone would always be kind of like a bit scared to go in there but they there was a massive like kind of shed warehouse sex shop in one of the industrial estates and I used to always go there to get my lube <laughs> and it was like a strawberry or a cherry one but like now always I'm flavored. thinking always flavored <laughs> but then just what you said about the ingredients and stuff like especially in your 20s like you don't actually think about yeah the quality, the quality of and them what yeah you're actually consuming yeah. um and I don't I mean, I don't think that would have been a particularly good one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, like the Pop more I started there. to research, I was like, oh, shit, this is like it's a really unregulated industry. And so because, you know, it's always been seen as shameful and, and dirty. We haven't really put any of our energy or efforts into this space. So, um, you know, those glow in the dark lubes that you'd hide at the bottom <laughs> of your drawer. I basically just like saw an opportunity for really beautiful and elevated sexual wellness products that you could leave on your bedside table. You don't have to hide them at the bottom of your drawer. They can sit next to your skincare, your fragrance, but they don't compromise on the quality of the ingredients. And you just got to make sure that you don't confuse them. So you're not yeah, putting exactly. lube on your face as a serum or something, <laughs> like a jelly cleanser. There's actually a TikTok trend about using lubricant under your foundation to help what? your foundation. Like set more, I saw that. Like a setting and spray, but setting, setting spray setting lube. lube. Yeah, or, or using lube as like hair gel. I don't recommend it, but like it's... I mean, everyone's I doing a sleek back, so... Exactly. I mean, it probably works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and I think, you know just thinking back to my experiences like growing up as well what led me to like start you know doing more research in this space my mum who I mentioned um who passed away from cancer she was actually a couples therapist oh my god cool. yeah and, and a family therapist as well so growing up like she 
would always speak to us about different like attachment styles oh or <laughs> about, uh, you know, like relationships. And she would say that, you know, relationships are a mix of like chance and choice and we have to put in a lot of work in our relationships and, and choose to, you know, show up every day. And um, yeah, and she always cultivated this really like safe space for me and my siblings to ask questions and, you know, nothing ever felt like it was too taboo. And she also like, gave us a sense of independence as well to feel really comfortable to explore ourselves. But when we needed to, we could go to her. And I think a huge part of what I'm trying to do with libido, it's so much more than the products that we have. It's actually creating that safe space for people to come and explore themselves, explore their sexuality, to learn, yeah. learn and to maybe unlearn things that they yeah, learned in true. school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's, that's my mission just to normalize the conversation and, remind people that it's okay to feel really good about feeling good and um and yeah just to break down those stigmas and taboos that we've been taught for so long yeah, yeah. oh my god I love that and I just I love even yeah just seeing the bottles there and so they are so aesthetic like you could totally put them on your bedside table and yeah you don't need to like it would be criminal to you know put them in a drawer like hide them. <laughs> no um that's so cool about your mum so when she was still around were you even thinking about like had the plant, had the seed been planted about launching this? No, it definitely hadn't. I think it was more like the accumulation of events, yeah. like just being exposed be to that. She'd be so proud. She'd be I know, so I proud. Think of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I draw a lot of my inspiration from her. She would always speak to me about. Do you know Esther Perel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she like Esther Perel was her role model wow. always, and this was like years and years ago. She would go to all her conferences and she'd come and speak to me about Esther Perel and all of that and then OG yeah she's like OG um so that's where I draw a lot of my inspiration from yeah. as well I love her work and everything she you're did. destined to be in this space <laughs> no yeah well yeah and you know going back to that like pain and pleasure it's like we can experience so many different emotions at once and I think why I've almost like chosen to dedicate this career to pleasure is like I know what real pleasure feels like because I've also experienced like what real pain mm. and suffering feels like as well. And I just see the importance of making that time for things that feel good in whatever way it is for you. Like it could be just having a chat with friends is, you know, catching up or it could be like self-love and giving yourself a massage. There are so many different ways that we can access pleasure. Yeah. It's so important to redefine it, to kind of strip it back and and, and see that it is um what's the word like multifaceted I suppose yeah like it's it not is. just it's not just sticking a dick in yeah no <laughs> you know, you're like, right. you're like growing yes. up we that's like completely everyone yeah. was taught, yes. right? how cool yeah. is that yeah, no, is. <laughs> stick a dick in oh my god there's the intro for the podcast <laughs> yeah. um I mean you I know you're only in your first year of your 30s I'm 32 so a couple of years in but it's <laughs> interesting <laughs> with by the second yeah. um but it is interesting kind of looking back on uh yeah the sexual journey and education and conversation and um I've never felt confident sexually I guess probably up until now a bit more sure of myself in terms of just communicating what I like with my partner and you know we've only been together for just over 18 months and prior to that I was in a five-year relationship then and but I look back at that relationship and I think of just how um yeah like sexually 
wasn't confident in talking so openly. It's crazy to think of how different things are in your 20s, like when you talk about this stuff. So different. Yeah. And I think you're right. It is such a journey. There's no like end goal we're trying to get to in our sexual wellness journey. It's more about like the experience of getting there and what you learn along the way. And it's important to understand that everyone's on their own journey and there's Mm. you know where you are is where you are right now and can be because of different experiences yeah well even having like endo like exactly your experience with endo yeah yeah Yeah. a huge Um, thing your cultural background as well can play such a big impact on on where you are in your sexual wellness journey religious background so I think it's just having these conversations exposing yourself more to the education around the importance of pleasure and the benefits of sexual wellness and, Mm. and pleasure as well um but yeah I think looking back to like 20s and I had been in long, long-term relationships um probably yeah whoever's listening like, <laughs> but like I'd never had an orgasm before like until my most recent like relationships wow. like for the last seven years or so and I think there was I always thought there was something wrong with me because yeah. I couldn't orgasm from penetration and I've learned now that it's like no I just I didn't know how to communicate that to a partner but also my pleasure was never made to be a priority. Mm. It was always like the focus of my sexual experiences, especially in my 20s, was always on the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and How yeah. do we change that though? Because I feel like as women we are getting so much, well, we are like so good and getting better at talking about like we're having these podcast episodes and talking about how we can embrace our sexual wellness And that's so great for us to open up that conversation, but the responsibility, and this is in the scope of heterosexual relationships more so, um, just to acknowledge that, but what, like, what, what do men need to do? Do you reckon? Like, I feel like they're not creating, like, I mean, I could be wrong and I could be hell skeptical, but I can't say I've seen like, uh, you know, male podcasts. Actually, I have seen the inspired unemployed chat to Georgia Grace and do an episode on sex, but like, Shouldn't they be doing more work? (laughs) Yes, I agree with that. I think, you know, I think it's like a gender gap in sexual pleasure. It is. There's actually a pleasure gap. A pleasure gap. Yeah, the pleasure gap, which refers to the disparity between men and women in heterosexual relationships when it comes to sexual pleasure. Oh, let's get into that. Yeah, no, seriously, (laughs) it's it's a real thing where, you know, men can achieve pleasure and orgasm much more than women can. And I think there's a lot of work that we need to do in terms of, like education and talking about that more and understanding that our pleasure has never been the priority. It's always been in movies and TV and and porn. It's always been focused on the man and the big event being the ejaculation at the yeah. end. And as soon as he climaxes, it's like end, it ends, end of scene, end, end of scene <laughs> cut, like that's it. And that's going back to why I thought there was something wrong with me because yeah. I couldn't orgasm quick enough because I'd always watched women in porn like orgasming straight away but also I just it, I just thought it wasn't about me mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of a sudden now I'm in my 30s and I'm having the best sex of my life because so dirty 30s dirty 30s are <laughs> a thing because yeah I'm communicating what I want and my partner wants to pleasure me and yeah. it's on both of us to be equal we've introduced sex toys into our into the bedroom because it just makes me orgasm that way and it makes it equal for both of us and we don't finish until we're both finished (laughs) you know it's like it's just so much better that's Um, so good yeah and I kind of wish that someone would 
have told me that when I was in my 20s. I know. That I feel like the only person who may have was Samantha Jones on Sex and the City. Yeah. Like, I'm, yes. You know, I feel An like, icon. Yeah, yeah, like she has been truly a pioneer in terms of just general like dating as an older woman and yes, sex in your 30s. So when I look back, I think of, yeah, she was really like the only. Um, OG. <laughs> yeah. And like to think that's just like a character as well, like a fictional character um isn't that and yeah. She, yeah she like normalized bringing the rabbit vibrator yeah. in like the, yeah so yeah I, I do wish that we had more conversations and I think for anyone who is listening who is maybe a bit younger like going into their 30s it is just important to you know know that it, it can get better and it's about like communication and always yeah. having that open dialogue with your sexual partners um but a good place to start always is with yourself mm-hmm. as well and getting to know your body and your desires on your own. I feel like that's such a huge part of your 30s anyway, like where you do kind of take a step back and think, what do I want in life? Who am I? Like, what do I want to bring into the relationships? And also like from personal experience, when I came out of like a five-year relationship um, and spent like my, I had like my personal debrief and I was like thinking about, yeah, what I wanted to bring into the next chapter of my life. And a lot of it is self-love too. And like to start there and in terms of like your emotions and of course your sexual wellness too, I think you, yeah, kind of get that, like this clarity kind of just pops up um, where you're thinking, yeah, what do I really want? So don't be afraid to like take that time and like Get to know yourself. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And it doesn't like, it can look like, you know, self-pleasure, but it can also look like, wearing something that makes you feel really sexy yeah. it could be like listening to a sexy playlist as well to yes. get you in the mood go to one of those classes like I want to go there is one out near the airport I keep forgetting their name but I've been like bookmarking their TikToks and they do like full sexy dancing where Ooh. you wear like knee pads and heels and stuff and I think I saw fun <laughs> was it Kayla no not Kayla it was Ashley Bynes I think who did one and I saw her video and I was like, I need that in Melbourne. Like, yes, cause I want to dance like that and feel and look sexy yeah. doing these moves. Completely. I'm so not coordinated. Oh, no, I, I'm so, you just see me jumping over that little USB thing before. I'm yeah. like, not coordinated at all. But, but that stuff, embracing yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean. So you think, it, do you think thirties is our sexual prime? Would you say? I think, I think we're having better sex in our thirties. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, it differs on such an individual level. I yeah. think women, especially, I think, you know, a lot of us in our thirties are a lot more time poor or stressed because of career or kids and all of those, um, you know, really big challenges that come with being like in your thirties and as you go into your forties and all of that. But I do think we're advocating for better sex and we understand our bodies more and so I think in that sense we're in our sexual prime yeah Yeah. and I think we start to see like men more in their 20s like that's when they're in their sexual prime and as they go into their 30s like our levels kind of equal a little bit Mm -hmm. um yeah it's really Mm -hmm. interesting one thing that I was thinking about with um you know dirty 30s when I turned 30 and coming out of that relationship I was like I'm going to have all the sex, like all the casual sex. But then we had like three lockdowns in 2021. So it didn't quite happen. But I also realized that that kind of maybe wasn't for me. And I it actually was kind of hard to, not hard to accept, but I was really surprised. It was almost like I thought that I needed to do those things, but I was like, I just... I just, um, I don't know if I'm too selective. It's something about just bringing someone back to my place or going to theirs. And I, I don't know, I just wasn't at that point where I was like 
that casual kind of sex thing is yeah. for me. It's really interesting when you, yeah, you think that you should be going out to do that stuff. Um, so look, there was a lot of uh, 2021, I built my treasure chest of sex toys. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> so that's where I was at. But do you feel like, do you feel like that would be maybe a common thing? Um, I'm just trying to think of the people who, yeah, like sex in relationships, sex as just like casual sex, someone maybe who's just gone out of a relationship and they just don't know how to navigate sex because they might think that they have to just go Definitely. out and just bang randoms. Yeah, I think there's like a societal pressure that, yeah. you know, and even just amongst your friends as well or you speak to people and you're like thinking like how much sex are they having? Is how much sex I'm having mm. enough or is it too much or whatever it is? And I think when There's people no talk about right. their dry spells, like I remember someone yeah. said to me that they had sex, they didn't have sex for like four months, and I was like, "It's been a year." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like you're fine. I'm so yeah, embarrassed to even say that. Like, but it's like. No, there's no playbook. There's no normal. It's mm. just everyone again is like on their own journey, and there's no right or wrong place to be. So, just take that pressure off yourself, mm. and you know, I think sex can look uh, really different for everyone and it's not just one way to have sex. It's exactly. like, you know, we've always been taught it's about penetration but there's so many other ways to be intimate with yourself and with your partner. Um, and, yeah, even if you're not into it, that's fine. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As well, you know, there's a lot of like asexual people in our community as well. Yeah. Um, so I think just go easy on yourself totally. because there's so much pressure. And yeah, it's, it's just yeah. like about ch- constantly checking in with what you want and how how does something make you feel? Yeah, I think is the important thing to just kind of always go back to those exactly what things. you want, not what society tells you that you should be doing, or not what you your friends want. are doing. It's like what is, what's what feels right for you. Yeah, yeah. So you have um, so many amazing blog posts on the Libido website, which uh, yeah, amazing resource, and I'll pop some of them in the show notes of this episode. I want to cover some. Um, I kind of want to yeah try and cover the basis of I'm trying just trying to think of people in their 30s so I mean when I think of my friendship circles it's funny I don't have any friends in Melbourne who have kids but back home in Ballarat most of my friends have kids um and I wouldn't usually ask this because I'm so focused on like myself as someone who doesn't have children but and and I mean you don't have a child either but working in this space postpartum sex could be like Like how would pregnancy and sex and then postpartum, like, I mean, I'm not in that world yet, but I I think about that with my friends who are, and I don't want to go out and interrogate them, but do you have any, I guess, tips or insights there on how those people can kind of navigate it? Because they might be just like listening and thinking like, I'm not seen in this conversation. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Um, It's such a good question. Um, and (laughs) It's a big one. (laughs) It's a big one. Yeah. I'm like you. I mean, I don't have kids, but we have so many amazing, beautiful mums in our community Mm. who I speak to a lot. And I think as always with these things, like it, your experience is, is your experience Mm. always, you know, go see a health professional who understands your own experience. Um, but just, I think the first thing is like, easing into easing back into things you know Mm -hmm. you've gone through something so significant there's usually like a responsible 
break um, before you go back to having penetrative sex and that's like a six, a four to six week period. Right. Yeah. And so. Even after my endosurgery, so like you can't have sex for like six weeks. Oh, wow. And the yeah. first one I couldn't have sex for, it was like three months. Oh, wow. Until yeah. Until I could, like that and it was pain less. Yeah, it didn't hurt you. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And I think, you know, after you'll usually have like a consult with your doctor after around the six week mark um, and they'll examine you and see, you know, how. How is it safe for you to go back to having penetrative sex? And I think at that point, the question that I would be asking myself in that situation, and maybe you did this as well after your endosurgery, is like, okay, if I'm physically ready, and that's what my doctor's telling me, but how am I feeling emotionally yeah. and mentally? Especially because when you've got a kid too, because you're probably like the, maybe like the last thing for that you're thinking about is like, yeah, wanting to have sex because you're just trying to like you know keep this kid alive (laughs) totally yeah and you've gone through like a something so significant in your life like childbirth and you know postpartum depression and anxiety is also really common forming a new identity as a new identity your hormones are changing as well you've maybe like body related Mm. changes as well like it's just you know discovering this new body of yours as well so I think you know there are also other ways to have sex as we kind of mentioned before and it's like you could start exploring different erogenous zones yeah love me erogenous yes, zones exactly so um, get, get on the neck yeah the ne- <laughs> yes um so you know more like outer course and um an erogenous zone is an area with um a concentrated set of nerves that um can produce an arouse arousing ex- a tingle yeah, a tingle <laughs> yes so you know um it doesn't have to be about penetration Mm. Um, but you know when you are feeling like ready for that just take it at your own pace Mm -hmm. go slow Um, I think we really underestimate the emotional um, influence don't we like that needs to be so in sync you know your brain is your largest sexual organ so so much of you know how we're feeling is actually related to what's going on in our mind so I think also it's really common or like at many times in your life but especially through a significant experience like childbirth for you and your partner or partners to have fluctuating levels of desire. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just about really having that open communication and acknowledging that with your partner and naming it and then being able to talk through that together. And then when you are ready to just take things slow, like use a lot of lube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Because, you know, after, you know, during postpartum, Sex, our hormones drop, so our estrogen levels uh, become lower and so then vaginal dryness is a lot more common. So, you know, important to invest in like a natural lubricant as well. Um, But, yeah, I think just speak to your your doctor to see, you know, what's right for you in that Mm. circumstance. But don't ignore the emotional side of things. Exactly. And even when you're experiencing such body changes like – I'm sure so many people, especially if they're birthing, will be like, yeah, will think differently about their bodies. And I'm sure, unfortunately, there would be like, I think it's safe to assume that there'd be a lot of negativity and yes. just like mourning what you used to look like. Totally. Or, yeah. Yes. Getting yeah. to know your new self. Exactly. And a lot of like sex therapists and sexologists can help as well with mm. that emotional side. Um, we have amazing ones in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if anyone needs a recommendation as well, like I think. Yeah, I hope, hope those tips help. I think um, so. For me, it's so fascinating just to know, kind of know more about this stuff as someone who doesn't even have a kid yet. And I don't know if you know the answer to this, Rach, but like how far into the pregnancy can you not have sex? <laughs> like, do you know? I think, um, it again, it varies. And best mm. to consult a doctor with this because for most low-risk pregnancies, um, it can be really safe to have 
sex and can be an amazing like stress relief as well and a good way to stay in touch with your body while you're pregnant but I think you know everyone's different so you know if you start to notice like bleeding or Mm. discomfort um, you know really important to you know check in with a health professional I don't know the exact time so um, I think it it will vary Mm. for different people and depending on the level of of risk involved in their pregnancies Um, but something important actually like to keep your toys clean during pregnancy oh, if you are yeah. using toys. And in general. Safe. And in general. <laughs> yeah, obviously in general. <laughs> Especially when you're pregnant. Um, so how are we yeah. keeping them clean? Like are we using – should we, we be using like your regular hand soap or just like warm water? What's the best way to um, maintain our toys? Yeah, just like warm water and yeah. maybe a natural soap. Um, just give it a good wash. Our essential vibe is waterproof. So <gasps> – Use it in the bath or shower. In the shower. Um, yeah. Oh, my God, bath. I know, yeah. no, bath is really <laughs> good. Can confirm. <laughs> bath is, I recommend. Yeah, okay, cool. So, and are we meant to be washing them after each use? Yeah, ideally after every use. Yeah. Um, just a quick rinse and, yep. yeah, pop it back in your little bag that it comes in just yep. to keep it away from dust and, yeah, or leave it out on display on your bedside table Yeah, as well. a lot of yeah. crowds. <laughs> yes. So another thing that I think a lot of people are still experiencing and, you know, across their 20s, even in their 30s, is still living in a share house (laughs) and navigating like sexy time. Probably I think I'd say more so in the um, in the context of self-love. Yes. And like using your toys, knowing that your housemates in the next room, (laughs) like it's 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 hard. Yeah. It's challenging. Yeah. How have you ever heard of any crazy stories of like people like? Yes, I mean, well, I've lived in a share house. I think for the last eight years yeah. or so, and different share houses as well, and all kinds of combinations. Like I've lived with randoms, I've lived with another couple, I've lived with like a whole bunch of my girlfriends, and most recently, I've been living with my husband and my best friend. Oh wow! Um, and so we've been living together for the last two years. She actually just moved out like a month ago to go travel a bit. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, we know that there's. It's really hard to get privacy when you're yeah. living in a share house. Well, I mean, especially cost of living though. Everyone's still living in share houses. Yeah, like it's more common than ever. I love it as well. I get the best of both worlds. Yeah. I was like, got my bestie in one room and my partner there. I'm like, yeah. whoa! Like for me, there's nothing better. Yeah, one stop shop. Um, yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> But, you know, everyone's different. But I think, you know, especially in the inner north, like the wall's paper thin. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so you do hear everything. I once had this roommate. Um, this was a few years ago now. And I kid you not, every single night, it was a random, he came home with a new girl. Really? Every single <laughs> night. And the walls were paper thin. And he, yeah, having sex. And I just went to bed like with the noise of this like lullaby of like moaning oh and <laughs> every night. And I, after a while, like it was funny at the beginning a bit and, you know, but after a while I was like, oh my God, I'm falling asleep to this every yeah. night. So I think just like, you know, it's important to be respectful of, of your roommates. Um, Did you ever have to have a conversation with him? No, nah, because I'd come into that house, like it was already an established mm-hmm. house and I kind of come in after. So I was just like, I ended up moving out after a bit of time anyway. Yeah. But I think, you know, I've heard people um, – we did an article on this and interviewed different people and some what people said – Yeah, some people said that they put up boundaries. So they're like, you know, if my door's shut, please knock before you come in. And if you choose to just come in, like that's on you if you make it awkward. Uh, I'm gonna... <laughs> like you have to own that if it's awkward. <laughs> you know, we're at a stage now. I mean, I am where it's like I've normalised the conversation. If, if you hear – as in 
our vibrator's quiet, so, you know, you can't hear anything if yeah. you're using a vibrator. But I think, you know, as long as you're doing it in privacy and <laughs> in the space of your your room and, um, yeah. Yeah, someone said in that interview that, you know, you're allowed to have, like, one really loud, like, howling orgasm <laughs> once in a blue moon. <laughs> Not all the time, but yeah. just, like. It's like your whole path. Yeah, your whole path, Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's funny. I mean, it goes out the window when you're in a share house. I yeah, think. Like, it does. It, it is like, yeah, it, it comes with the territory. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So Rachel was so kind and, and gifted me these products and I've held on to them for a bit because I wanted them in the video of this podcast. And I can't believe you didn't use them I to know, try. But I, I like, wanted to hear your thoughts. I didn't want to like whip out the vibrator and then like put it back oh, in the you're box. you're in for a treat <laughs> this afternoon. It's, it's, seriously, people say they've had the best orgasm of their life using this vibrator. Really? And it's, it's really powerful. It's so pretty Um, and it's it's, like I'm usually more of a bullet girl but this is kind of giving like, I mean, how would you describe the shape? Someone's nicknamed it as a pear. It (laughs) It kind of looks like a teardrop. It is a teardrop. Um, But, yeah, it's designed for external use um, so to be used on your clitoris or an erogenous zone. Yep. And, yeah, different like levels and speeds to play around with as well. I mentioned it's waterproof so that's always a fun time in the bath or shower. It's cool to know that it doesn't have to just be – like there are so many different ways to use a vibrator. Yeah, there are. And I think, you know, it's not an invasive like really veiny big – dildo you know it's not like that like bright purple bright pink it's like a really soft way to explore yourself and explore your body and a great tool to get more in touch with yourself and so when you're in the you know process of creating and designing a vibrator and I guess yeah in terms of picking a color so what do you what, yeah, what are we ticking off and why did you – because this is a really nice kind of neutral – it's like a light grey almost. stone colour. Yeah, and we've got lilac and coral. So mm-hmm. lilac's that, you know, more lavender colour and coral's that beautiful red. Um, yeah. And I think we did a lot of research. So that was like a big part before launching the business, like just speaking to so many people and hearing – what they wanted in a vibrator, what they felt was lacking and the overwhelming feedback was the same, that people wanted products that looked beautiful Mm -hmm. but also didn't compromise on the functionality as well and the quality of the product. And so that was our mission like to and our challenge to design something that you'd be proud to leave out on display. Mm, Because a lot of them can look really tacky, right? Yeah, (laughs) but also like you need it to work and this works. So I'm um, excited to use it. Yeah, and I think, you know, the colours, you know, we wanted more of those neutral colours and, you know, wanted to veer away from that like bright pink and purples that we see a lot in like those, you know, more old school sex stores and, um, yeah. Because it's also really like, isn't it funny how those colours kind of lend in like how gendered they can be, like bleeding through yeah. into sex toys. Like yes. when we think about like baby products and stuff. And yeah, when you even go into sex shops and see like it's yeah, it's either blue or purple or um or pink. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's like a lot of those products were designed by men for women. And it's yeah. like you know, now it's like, well, you know, we've we design it with a team of amazing women and sexologists to make sure they're really ergonomic as well, but also with experts and designers to make sure that it looks like a really beautiful shape. We're actually going through that process again now to... Oh, really? For a new um, product? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God, so, that's so yeah, exciting. It's, it's very exciting. What about, um, I think, in our 30s is to, uh, to when... Again, different for everyone, but I'm thinking more so of the people who are in relationships and they've gone past what they call the honeymoon phase, whether or not we... If that's a real thing, I mean, for some people, I'm sure it is. For others, I'm sure it isn't. Um, but I guess kind of maintaining 
or making making sex great again like how because I feel like some people would be in a position where they're like it's a lost cause yeah you know yeah she's you know yeah, it's just it's like done. it's yeah. done we're not having sex and I, I feel like a lot of people yeah once they get you know if they're living together or they get in that routine of being like parents or whatever it can be hard for people to find find that spark again. yeah How it, do we is. Find spark? it is hard everyone is personal and, and different experiences so uh, I think acknowledge that it's okay if it's if you've lost your mojo a bit, you know, mm. if you it's so common for, you know, at the beginning of a relationship to have that honeymoon phase. It's all really exciting. Mm. It's new experiences. There's so much so much spontaneity involved as well. Esther Perel, who I love, I mentioned earlier, she talks a lot about this. Like how do we keep that that spark alive? Mm. And she talks about like this balance between remaining close there's like a level of closeness that you need in a relationship to maintain a level of intimacy and connection but not too close that you lose that sense of independence Mm. because you know when two people become one person there's not much more to understand about that person about their inner world and so she talks about that it's really important to keep that sense of mystery alive and spontaneity so that can be like outside of the bedroom as well it might be that you start just doing things that help you connect more, whatever uh-huh. whatever that looks like for you, going on a date together. And I, yeah. I know it can be really hard when you've got kids and, you know, all the challenges that come with being time poor and career and all that. So I think it's just trying to make the time to reconnect with each other because we know that good sex is really built on good connection mm. and trust and respect for each other. So I feel like we don't think about that because when we think of, you know, regaining that spark, I think people would think, all right, let's just get into the bedroom and figure it out. But like, no, let's just strip it back and maybe go back to the real basics of just spending time together, whether that is outside of the house. And, um, you know, like me and Oscar have just put together a list of activities to do in summer now that footy's over. I'm yeah, like, fun. Do a pottery <laughs> class, oh, nice. a cocktail making class. Yeah. And um, just things like that that have a little bit of playfulness. Exactly. And I think will remind you of, yeah, the, the first the early stages of even hanging out. Exactly. And then you can bring it back to the bedroom as well Mm. and spice things up more. There's always something new to explore if it's bringing sex toys for the first time into the bedroom, if it's bringing someone new into the bedroom with you as well. Like there are so many different experiences and positions to explore as well. But Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, like going back to also outside of the bedroom and finding new ways to connect. I think a lot of people find that when they're on holiday maybe, you know, when they feel less stressed they're having some of the best sex ever. That's quite common. Like they're just feeling more connected and it's because you're doing new things and stepping outside of your routine. Mm. You know, I think when we're in this really like same routine every single day, it can get really repetitive. And so it's about mixing things up Mm -hmm. both in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom. And we all could kind of maybe do with spending some time to not reset our expectations, but think about what our expectations are and how they do meet and align with whoever you are having sex with yeah. or if you're not just yourself, you know? Definitely. I think it's really important to also ask yourself if you're not having as much sex, let's say, as you would like, like I think the, the question is, is the sex that you are having even pleasurable? Mm. And if it's not pleasurable, that's the first thing. Like even going back to thinking about our 20s, like when my the sex that I was having wasn't about me, it wasn't pleasurable, so I didn't love it as much. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like if I know that – sex is going to be something that makes me feel really good, then I might want to engage in it more. Yeah. And so I think it is important to ask that question. Like is the experiences that you're having sexually, are they fulfilling and are they pleasurable? And if 
they're not, then maybe that's the com- the first conversation to have with yourself or with your partner. Yeah. So one, I really want to touch on this because one blog post that I loved on the libido website was, um, I didn't know there was three different types of erections. Oh, interesting. <laughs> what? I remember last year learning about, um, well, there, there was a study and I spoke to this guy in Prague, um, this sex researcher, um, three different types of orgasm. It was like wave, volcano, can't remember the other one. Anyway, but um, yeah, when I read this blog post, can you please tell us about the three types of erections? <laughs> we wrote about this recently and people loved it. Oh yeah, um, it yeah it's fascinating. Off. And this is also why I love this industry. There's always something new to learn. Yeah. I feel like I'm, my learning is constantly evolving as well. So um, yeah, so there's three different types of erections. The first one is a psychogenic erection. So psycho comes from the Greek word meaning soul or your mind. Right. And genic refers to the genes in our body. So a psychogenic erection is a physical response to what's happening in your brain and in your mind. So if you're having like an arou- if you're watching something that's really arousing, like a sexy scene on a TV, or if you're listening to our erotic self-pleasure audios on our website, for example, and then you have an erection um, to that visual cue, yeah, what's going on in your mind. And then the second one is a nocturnal erection. Is this during sleep? During sleep, yes, and it usually happens in your deepest stage of sleep, which is your REM stage. stage. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. During your REM sleep, which also coincides when you have your most vivid dreams. So it's related to like wet dreams. Yeah, right. Um, an involuntary response to, to your wet dreams. Can I tell you something funny about yeah, wet dreams? <laughs> <laughs> so I remember so vividly, this was a, um, a family holiday in a caravan in Warrnambool one Easter. I would have been in primary school, pretty young. Um, <laughs> This is I actually this is going. so funny. <laughs> Have you thought about this like oh in a God. long time? Is this like just as soon as you said <laughs> yeah, wet dreams, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> not to speak on experience because it wasn't the kind of wet dream that you may think it was. Um, I woke up. <laughs> I woke up and um, I was in my sleeping bag and it was wet. And I was like, oh, my God, did I just have a wet dream? And I, like, woke mum up and I was like, mum, I think I just had a wet dream. You told her. <laughs> and she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I've had a wet dream. And, she, and then she was like. So confused, and she comes over to my sleeping bag, and it's it's piss. Yeah. I've just wet. You just wet. I've just wet the sleeping bag. I just wet yeah. myself. Um, and she's like, "Oh, I don't think Bless. that's what did she say? That's not that's not a wet dream. <laughs> I don't think that's not the wet dream that I think you might Different think kind it of is. Wet dream. Yeah, I was just. I, but I remember having a dream about a river, and I woke up and I was like, "A wet dream." <gasps> oh. <laughs> Oblivious to what wet dreams actually yeah. are. <laughs> and what was the third? The one? third one is a reflexogenic um, response, and that's like a response to being physically 
touch, like a physiological response to being touched on your genitals or your erogenous zone. And I probably should have um, said at the start three types of erection. People are probably like, what do you mean? Like probably thinking different shapes. It's like, no, no, no. They all lead to just the same. Yeah, different (laughs) things. So the first one's going on in your mind. The second one in your sleep. And then the last one is a a physical. physical response so to kind of wrap up I guess how I mean well how were you feeling about your 30s going back to you oh um you know what I feel I feel like I'm feeling a lot of things. yeah I mean you've had a I've a had wild introduction yeah I feel like it's been a I'm, lot as I mentioned it's that balance for me of like pleasure and pain mm. and that's kind of the constant that's going on in my life right now like I'm carrying and holding so much pain and grief that I'm working through. Um, But at the same time, I almost feel like I'm just so passionate about the work that I'm doing and the space that I'm in. And, you know, I'm having, I've just got such amazing connections with the people around me. I think I just have a really clear idea of what's important to me right now. And I, that's That's come with being in my thirties as well. And I feel like so much more sure of myself and who I am and where I want to go and what I want out of my life Mm. and you know sadly that's come from my experience of just seeing like how fragile life is as well any final words for um for the topic of sexual wellness that you want people to kind of take from this episode yeah um I think you know just don't be ashamed there's nothing to be ashamed about like you know it's pleasure is your human right you know we all deserve to feel good and take it at your own pace whatever that looks like for you and just add a little bit more pleasure in your life yeah. because it feels really good. You deserve it. You deserve it. Yay. Rach, yeah. thank you so much, not only for sharing, you know, so much insight on the sexual wellness space, but, but for also kind of opening up about your own life too. It's um, so, so appreciated and I'm sure it will um, help a lot of people. So thanks so much for coming over. Thank you. And thanks for creating a really safe space to talk about it. It was Aww. so much fun. Yeah. Therapy dog. <laughs> therapy bully. I feel like I'm in my therapy session right yeah. now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Now, I really hope you got something out of that conversation. I know I definitely did. And I'm so glad we could finally get a sex episode up in this for figuring out 30. Go check out Libido. I've got the website link in the show notes of this episode. And Rachel has also been super kind to offer a discount code for the essential vibe. So at the checkout, just put in FO30, which stands for figuring out 30. F O three zero. That'll get you $30 off the essential vibe. So all the details that you need in the show notes of this episode. I'm Bridget Husway. Thank you so much for listening to Figuring Out 30. It's an entirely independent project created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. If you like what you're hearing, a review, a rating, a share with your friends would mean the world. And I'll catch you next week. Bye.